0: just see how far the Scottish Hammer can drill this <laughs> thing.
1: Right. Inside the ten yard line. Are
0: well, we going to win? We're going to win. I think it's just that simple. We I mean, getting guys back healthy again, and um, we're going to win. We just got to go in there and, and try to try to play a complete game. Obviously, we know um, you know they may not turn the ball over, but the defense is going out there to get turnovers. The defense is going out there to get stops. You know, as an offense. Regardless of what they've done as a defense, we're going out there to score points. We're going out there to control the game a little bit, um, take the ball out of 12's hands. Um, and as special teams, we're going out there to make plays.
2: Talking Cleveland Browns football with the best fans in all of
0: SB Nation. Now, here's your host, My Dad Delonious7. Sunday Morning Post. A very merry football morning to you and yours from Dogs by Nature. I am your host, Alonia7, getting you ready for a Cleveland Browns football day. Ahead on your Sunday morning post, we're going to focus on three big stories for this matchup. We're also going to focus on five games of import to Cleveland's playoff chances. We'll round things out by looking at the matchup for today's game. As your Cleveland Browns travel to Eastern Massachusetts to take on the Cape Cod Patriots. That's a 425 affair today. Well, without any further ado, let's get into it. Our first story of the week highlights a theme that we've talked about a ton on Straight No Chaser. That is the theme of media going after controversy. This week, the media went as far as to take someone out of context in order to generate a clickbaity type of story. Let's hear Jarvis Landry say it for himself. Fashion's you know, everyone talks about going on the road. Is there
1: something about going to that place to play a road game that's different than maybe other
0: stadiums? It's the same thing. The mission don't change. The mission don't change. It's the same thing. We're going to win the game. It's not hard to see how a mistake like this could be made, and that's why it's so important to have context. Context allows you to be able to hear the question that says, we are going there to win the game, as opposed to we are going to win the game. Sound the same? Obviously they mean two very different things, one's a guarantee and one isn't. Freddy's not real clear on the details here, but he knows that the Vultures were out for controversy.
1: Can you, uh, you win
3: by any chance? No, but I would like to address that. Um, you know, I think I do a pretty good job of communicating with you guys and telling you as much as I can um, from a truth perspective. I would just like the same in return from you guys when you're talking to our players. Everybody in here knows that Jarvis was not guaranteeing a win all right, he was asked, what do you want to accomplish after the bye? And he stated, we would like to go win or something in that realm. New England was never mentioned. So for you guys to do that, I think it's very unfair.
1: For you to lump all of us in together is unfair too.
3: Well, good point, good point then. I just did it though.
1: So, um... Is it buggy that in New England it was presented to Patriots players that way?
3: It does, because we don't represent that. We don't guarantee anything. These guys never have guaranteed anything. They've guaranteed that they would go out and give their best. And I think that's what they've done.
0: Listen, this is one of my favorite press clippings that I've heard all year. You learn so much about Freddie Kitchens by listening to pieces like this. Now, one thing that I really love about this piece is that Freddie Kitchens is gets in his bully pulpit and lays it to the media. He tells the media, hey, look, you're not being straight with us. And I've been straight with you all year. And guess what? Freddie Kitchens has been straight with them all year. And he can use that cachet to turn back on the media and defend his players. And to me, I'll tell you this, that's why I really like Freddie Kitchens. And what's better is when one of the press corps pipes up to say, hey, look, the people that you're yelling at really aren't in this room. You shouldn't lump us all together. Kitchens acknowledges the hypocrisy of the statement and then doubles down. Yo, that is my coach. You know, the Browns may not find a way to get this game, but make no mistake, Freddie Kitchens, that is my coach. I'm all in on Freddie Kitchens and I'm ready to die on that hill. We may be a few weeks away from his out and out redemption, but I feel like him rewriting the story is going to happen this year. We're going to hear from Freddie Kitchens a little later in the show. But for now, let's get to the second story, which is the offensive line changes. It was reported sometime during the bye week that Greg Robinson would not be suiting up at left tackle, uh, at least to start the game for the Cleveland Browns this week. It seems that Justin McCray has now emerged as the team's left tackle. But when asked, Freddie Kitchens has remained coy.
2: you want to tell us who's going to start on the O-line? Are there do any not. changes?
3: No. I promise we will have two tackles, two guards, and a center. You think?
4: I'm asking. Three tackles, three guards?
3: Will be legal. Do
4: you like how, whatever the configuration is, do you like how they've looked this week?
3: I like how as a group, how those guys have practiced all week, yes. Even the guys, down the line guys. I like how they prepared, how they practiced. i uh, got confidence in a lot of those guys.
0: Hopefully he's confident in at least five guys going into a game with the best defense in the league. Earlier in the week, there were some injury concerns with the league's best defensive player. Is
4: it a relief that uh, that Miles was able to go full go to
3: Yeah, I didn't ever have doubt. He was, uh, you know, you just have to put things on there when they're getting treatment and stuff like that and that's reason he's on there so he'll be ready to go
0: that near miss brings us to the third story of our show and that is the injury report at the beginning of this year the injury report had nothing but negative information for browns fans however this week the browns are going to get back greedy williams and denzel ward from hamstring injuries they're going to lose to Marius Randall, And that's no small thing. But for the first time in as long as I can remember. The Cleveland Browns have a relatively full complement of characters. To bring into the game. As they travel to Cape Cod. This Sunday afternoon. The Patriots are a bit less lucky. Particularly at the tight end position. Both Ryan Izzo and Matt Lacoste. Julian Edelman, Patrick Chung, Rex Burkhead, Jack Mason, all limited participants on Friday's practice. We'll be keeping a close eye on the active players as we get closer to game time. Hopefully we'll see Genard Avery this week. Who knows? Well, with that, we'll take this break. You've been listening to the Sunday Morning Post on Dogs by Nature. It's time for the Focus on 5. Every week on the Sunday Morning Post, we look at five games of import to the Cleveland Browns and their playoff aspirations. Up first, the Southeastern Indiana Bengals travel all the way across the pond to take on the Los Angeles Rams at Wembley Stadium. That game's going to have a 1 o'clock Eastern time start the Rams are going to be 12-point favorites as they travel all the way over to the... What, what's this? That's right! If the team from Southwestern Indiana finds a way to lose the game, the Northern Kentucky Bengals will be halfway to the Hue. Of course, I'm referring to the Hugh Jackson Cup of Utility. This music's supposed to represent Let's hear what the two coaches have to say in advance of this contest. How are Austin for bed? This is one they're
1: coming along, you know. It's it's a little bit more difficult when you just look at the way that we've had to kind of practice right now. It's hard to truly evaluate them from a physical standpoint. You know, this will really represent the first opportunity since last week that we are able to physically get guys out there, um, do some work. Where you know they seem like they're picking things up mentally, uh, but it has been such a you know there's been a, so much going on in a short period of time. I think that's going to be a process that we're going to be patient with. Hey Sean, uh, do you view do this London trip any differently than any other road trip, or does it kind of disrupt? the flow of the season in any way? How do you tie with it? You know, I I think, you know, it's something that we just deal with. And, and, you know, the, the Bengals have to go through the same thing. So for us, I think this team is well accustomed to just adjusting and adapting. Being able to stay on the East Coast, I think, is very helpful. Just from our previous experience a couple years ago when we stayed in Jacksonville, um, so guys are feeling good. You know, they, they don't make any excuses. They just kind of go about their business in a professional manner. And the nice thing is, is you get your buy afterwards, you know. So it is a lot of traveling, but each team has to go through it. And we're looking forward to the opportunity to see if we can uh, play well in front of a great crowd and, and see if we get our fifth win. Yeah, that's one going back to that.
0: It all sounds good coming from McVeigh, right? <laughs> Let's hear how Coach Zach Taylor describes uh, some of the struggles that Andy Dalton's had. You know,
1: Andy's,
0: Andy's kind of
1: struggled in games, you know, various games so why do you think it's taken him a while to kind of find consistency
0: I wouldn't say that it's always Andy's fault I mean again he's he's the easiest person to blame um, you know it's uh, you can look at various reasons for the starting drives in the last couple of games and you can say that a couple other people could step up and do their job better to make make it easier for him. And so, again, he's, he's always going to take responsibility for it. He's going to take the blame. That's, that's part of playing quarterback. Everybody understands that. But, again, it's, it's all 11 being on the same page and helping him. Usually the seam in Cincinnati's position doesn't fare so well, especially across the pond. That's why I'm going to go with L.A. to cover here, and I think fairly easily. And I think the Bengals continue their course towards immortality. Well, the second game on our focus on five has us traveling to the greater Allegheny region where there will be a contest on catch-up field between the Dolphins and the Southwestern Pennsylvania Steelers. That's right, the Bengals have some competition in their pursuit of the hue. The Miami Dolphins are also going to be out for immortality. Should they fall in this contest, and I'm actually hoping that they don't. But should they fail, they'll sit at 0-8. With little hope for this year, but a lot of hope and draft picks for next. Let's hear Brian Flores and what he has to say about the Dolphins going into this contest. I thought we, you know, played well in a lot of areas. So uh, I thought we moved the ball well offensively. Uh, I thought we got the run game going. I thought, you know, the protection was, you know, fairly good Uh, I thought we made some plays down the field I thought we converted on third down Um, but really at the end of the day this game comes down to uh, execution in the critical moments so third down red zone two minute uh, and then uh, limiting turnovers so we didn't do those things Uh, we had a crucial couple plays there down in the red zone we didn't convert uh, and we turned it over Um, So I would say in those critical moments, we didn't play well enough. We did a lot of good things, really offensively, defensively in a kicking game. Uh, But we got to do a little bit more. Let's hope Flores and his boys get it together uh, for this Sunday's matchup at the catch-up. But if not, there'll be two in the race for Hugh. We'll keep a close eye on this story in the coming contests. But now it's time for game number three and our focus on five. In this game, we have the Packers traveling to Arrowhead Stadium to take on the Kansas City Chiefs, the mahomes Kansas City Chiefs. The fortunate thing about this game is we get a chance to hear back from an old friend of ours, a guy by the name of Mike Pett. Challenge
1: it all at
4: Prepare for two quarterbacks, or do you just prepare for the Chiefs' offense, plain and simple, and go from there? Yeah, I don't, I don't know how much the offense would change. I'm sure, I'm sure there's certain elements that will be highlighted depending on depending on who plays, uh, but the, I, I just think the core structure, the offense, doesn't 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 change. So, uh, you know, there's certainly some unknown that that um, you know that we, we got to take some educated guesses on, but you know, there's there's enough enough stuff there that you know, that we feel pretty good where you know what we're preparing for.
0: Without Patrick Mahomes available, I think that Pett and his boys are going to get this game done. The Packers are a a 4.5-point favorite on the road, and I'm pretty sure they cover this margin as well. Which takes us to game number 4 on the Focus on 5. In that game, the Broncos travel to Lucas Oil Stadium to take on the Colts. The Colts are going to be a 5-point favorite in that contest. Let's hear from Coach Vic in advance of this contest.
2: Nobody's really seen you like chuck your headset or throw your play card or anything. But are you frustrated with how the first half of the season you went? Know? Yeah, I mean I don't think you have to do those things to uh, prove that you're frustrated. I mean, some of the most common, co- calm coaches on the sidelines have been pretty successful. I don't think Bill Belichick gets too crazy. Uh, chuck Noll never got too crazy. Bill Walsh never got too crazy and go on and on you know you don't have to be one of those personality guys they, they're doing a good job of pass blocking and then the quarterback's hard to get down he's elusive big strong guy he has shaken off some sacks and got away from sacks so it's a combination of uh, good blocking and the quarterback being elusive and hard to get down
3: Surprised,
1: impressed perhaps that the Colts, Andrew Luck retires, everyone
2: kind of writes them off and then now they're atop their division. Yeah, I think it's uh, the credit first and foremost needs to go to Chris Ballard because they've put together a team
0: that could withstand the loss of Andrew Luck and still keep going. I'm interested to see if the Broncos can do something to slow down that progression. I'm going with Jacoby Brissett and the Colts this week. We're keeping a close eye on this one as Denver's coming up next week. Okay, my name's Thelonious7. We will be back with your Browns matchup right after this. Sunday afternoon at 425, the Cleveland Browns traveled to Cape Cod to take on the Patriots. Up until 1994, Cleveland had an 11-3 record against the Patriots. That all changed when Belichick began his dynasty in the 2000's. Since then, the Patriots have won 8 of the last 10, including that one game in Foxborough where Josh Gordon completely lost his mind. Now, speaking of Josh Gordon, this guy ended up on the IR last week after a relatively minor knee injury. Another really crazy storyline going into this game. The Browns come into this contest having lost 3 in a row, surrendering 206 yards, Per game on the ground. And in their last two games, they've given up 63 points and over 900 yards of total offense. Let's see if they can get that turnaround this week against the New England Patriots. These New England Patriots bringing a 7 0 record, led by Coach Bill Belichick. Let's hear what Coach Belichick has to say ahead of this contest.
4: All right, we've uh, you know, start on the short week here with uh, Cleveland and Certainly, a lot of uh, explosive players uh, to worry about with this team. They got uh, a lot of weapons on offense, defense, special teams. Um, make a lot of make a lot of big plays, and uh, certainly cause a lot of a lot of problems. So, um, you know, Coach Kitch- Kitchens is a very aggressive coach offensively. They do a good job attacking defenses and create a lot of explosive plays um, in all areas of the game. Great. Great runner, receivers, good quarterback, experienced offensive line. You know, defensively, they do a good job turning the ball over, um, create negative plays, long yardage, three and outs, um, and special teams. You know, two two good returners, good return game, um, good coverage players, uh, big kicker, punter. Um, so, solid, solid team, a lot of talent that. Uh, John Dorsey and uh, Coach Kitchens, their organization, have put together. So they a big challenge for us Sunday, short week here to get ready for these guys and, and, uh, and play competitively. They, they do a lot of things well, cause a lot of problems.
0: Let's hope the Browns offense can cause a lot of problems for the defense of the New England Patriots. And in addition to our ex-coach, we have some ex-player friends on the sidelines as well. That is, of course, Danny Shelton, Jamie Collins, and Justin McCordy. These guys will log some significant snaps on the defense, uh, which has to this point been nothing short of stellar. Now, the offensive side of the football features Tom Brady. Tom Brady has been an embattled quarterback as of late, and with stories of him uh, apparently thinking about leaving Plymouth Rock. Uh, Listen to the admiration he has as he talks about his defense last week. Does your defense continue to just amaze
4: you each and every week when they go out and get shutouts like this? They're playing great. It was, it was. They're just playing great football. They're doing a great job. They cover, rush, stop the run, um, make critical plays. So they're. they're just, it's awesome to watch.
0: It will certainly be awesome to see if the Cleveland Browns can do something special against this New England Patriots defense. This Sunday, Baker Mayfield takes his shot Going into Foxborough, he struggled so far this year. But let's hear what he has to say going into this contest.
1: I think that everything the Patriots, you know, all that encompasses New England uh, within their franchise of how they do it consistently. Um, and he's been obviously a stable part of that for a long time. Uh, so any chance you get to, you know, go up against competition like that, it's uh, it's a good you know good opportunity to see what you're you're all about. Um, so we're excited about it.
0: While it's clear that the Browns are excited, they're also aware of the challenge ahead of them. Odell Beckham Jr. talks about that challenge. Oh, the
4: way they play it, what makes that so unique? I feel like it's been this way for a long time. You know, they have a, they have a system. Um, unfortunately, you know, it reminds me of Alabama in, in the sense of they have a system, they have guys who are coming in, they have guys who are in the same number from the past, they have same style. They get fast linebackers coming off the edge, good corners, and they just play as a team. Um.
0: Taking a look at Chris Corney's position-by-position evaluation, we see that he lists the quarterback advantage going to the Patriots and Tom Brady, which totally makes sense to me. At running back, however, he gives the advantage to Nick Chubb and the Browns, even though Sony Michel was drafted slightly earlier than him. Michelle is only averaging 3.3 yards a carry this season, and he had three touchdowns last week against the Jets, but that was on 19 carries for 42 yards. At wide receiver, the Browns also have an advantage as there are a lot of moving pieces and parts going on with the New England Patriots. This week, the Browns should finally welcome to the field Rashard Higgins and give him an opportunity to to see the field for the first time since Game 1. Pokorny lists the offensive lines as being even in rank, and it's hard for me to think anything about the Browns' offensive lines until we see who's going to be suiting up at right tackle, correct? Eh, I guess we're going to see this Sunday. Now, on the defensive side of the football, it looks like it's going to be advantages all around to the Patriots. Even though (laughs) I don't think there's any player on the Patriots who's better than Miles Garrett, that defense top to bottom with the linebackers included, certainly has an advantage over what Cleveland is going to go with this Sunday. Now, let's get to the special teams situation. The kicking game for the Patriots is a little bit scary. They have Mike Nugent, who's three of four field goals and 12 of 13 on extra points. He's no Goskowski, and that's why I feel that Pokorny is correct in suggesting that the special teams play should be even on Sunday. And now let's get to the prediction for this game. So far this year, I have a record of 4-2 picking the Cleveland Browns. I was wrong on the Titans game, and I was wrong on the 49ers. But I think this is the worst kind of a trap game for New England. I think that 10.5 points is way too many for them to have, And I'm having a hard time picking Cleveland to outright win the game. But I will say it will be within the 10.5 point margin in either case. They also have the over-under at this game listed at 43 points. And in this case, I think I'm taking the under. I think I'm going to see a defensive game this Sunday. I think we're going to see a game a lot like the game the Bills played against the Patriots. I'm not sure that the Browns can win. I'm pretty sure they can cover. I'm definitely pulling for the dogs to pull out a huge upset in Foxborough. Well, with that, we'll put this one in the books. Thanks for taking time out of your Sunday morning to make dogs by nature a part of your day. Well, you've been listening to Sunday morning Post. I am your host, Thelonious seven on dogs by nature radio. Take care, Go Browns, and dog check! This is the Sunday Morning Post.